how may we respond in difficulty, in disappointments, even depression? So discouraged by what is happening, whether in your own family or in the church or the nation or through the world. Discouragement. Depression. So disappointed, asking God, why did you let this happen? We prayed, we we prayed, we gave. We did all we know to do. Why did you do this? Is there any hope? Is there any help? Yes, there is great help and encouragement while experiencing and facing discouragement. Here on Sunday mornings, Uh, During these first weeks of November, we're looking at selected psalms. We looked at Psalm 19. We looked at Psalm 67. And today we're looking at this great Psalm 85. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. And the psalmist is facing great discouragement. Remembering what it was like at one time and based on what God had accomplished in the past, remembering God's goodness in the past is fueling his prayer. It's a prayer. The whole psalm is a prayer. Fueling his prayer for the present and the future. So when facing discouragement, disappointment, even depression, what are we to do? From this scripture and from others like it, three things. Number one, remember God's goodness in the past. When you're faced with discouragement, such disappointment, even depression, what are we to do? Go back. Go back and remember God's goodness in the past. Certainly go back to Scripture and remember and see what God did for His people in the past. And if possible, in your own life, when things were not as bad, when life was much better, go back and see the Lord's goodness in the past. That's where we begin. And then secondly, like this psalm in Scripture teaches us, then ask In repentance, Lord, is there some sin in my life? There may be sin, there may not be sin. It may just him allowing this. Remember his goodness in the past. Ask and repent, if necessary, of present sin that may be the cause of such discouragement and depression. And hopefully that will lead to thirdly, joy. Rejoicing in his goodness that he showed in the past in showing our sins of the present, if there is sin, that will lead to rejoicing in him. This Psalm 85 is telling us, Psalm 85, to pursue revival. 
pursue revival. One of my favorite teachers, he, didn't, he did not know me, but I have greatly continued to learn from him, is Dr. R.C. Sproul, now with our Lord. Dr. Sproul, in the latter years of his life before Christ took him to himself, just became passionate in his preaching, in his teaching, in his pastoral ministry. God, will you not again, will you bring revival? Yes, to our nation, but to all places where revival and renewal is needed. Revival. Perhaps you're hearing people talk about revival. What is revival? Revival is the work of the Holy Spirit that brings conviction of our sin and brings a holy confidence in the goodness of Christ that leads to celebration. That leads to celebration. So what is revival of whom the psalmist is praying that many people are praying? And I ask you to pray like this. What is it? What is a revival? It's the Holy Spirit coming in his power first to bring a conviction of sin a renewed conviction of the way we're grieving the Holy Spirit convicting us of the way we're grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit for we who are in Christ can be guilty of this says Galatians so Lord Please convict us of our sin that's grieving and quenching your Holy Spirit. But don't leave us there. Secondly, convince us. Convict us, but then convince us of the sufficiency of Christ. Convince us that your grace is greater than our sin. Convicted of our sin, convinced of the extravagant, undeserved grace through Christ will lead us to celebration. Celebration. Let's see this prayer. Hopefully understand it and experience it that we may share it with others. What is the evidence of a Holy Spirit initiated and sustained revival. When the Holy Spirit, what does he do? How does he initiate it? How does he begin it? How does he continue it and sustain it? Here, we go back and remember God's goodness in the past. Look at Psalm 85, 1 through 3. Lord, it's a prayer. You were favorable to your land. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Lord, look what you did in the past. You were so favorable to them. You restored them. You forgave their iniquity. You forgave their sin. You covered it all. And you withdrew your wrath. 
You turn from your hot anger. We don't know it's, it's that we believe this psalm was written when the psalmist is looking back. See, when God entered into a covenant relationship with Israel, when he first chose them to be his sons and his daughters, his people to represent the Messiah to the nations, he entered into a relationship with them, a covenant with them. I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. I'll bless you. I'll make you a blessing to those who bless you. But those who curse you, I'm going to curse. I'm going to judge them. And I'm going to judge you if you do not fulfill this covenant. God says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to protect you, my people. I'm going to provide for you. Now seek me. Seek me with all your heart. If you choose not to follow me and not obey and not trust, if you enter into other priorities, other gods that mean more to you than I do, I'm going to punish you because I love you. I love you so much, I'm making you my own. I'm going to adopt you. And I love you so much as a loving parent or grandparent to a child. But I'm going to discipline you. If you go after other gods. So for a while, Israel did love. And God carried them on, he says, his wings like the eagle carries its own. But then they started drifting. His chosen family began drifting and wandering off. And began adopting the gods of the other nations. Eventually, the one and only true God became nothing to them. He warned them. He warned them. He warned them. I love you. I'm going to discipline you because I love you. They kept going their own way, and God did what he said. He took them into captivity to the Babylonian government. The Babylonian government was cruel and abusive The torture. Inflicted for 70 years. 70 years. God loved his children so much. The severity of the discipline. And we believe that's the context. Now God has worked in the heart of Cyrus to release his people from the Babylonian captivity to return back home. Seventy years. He's bringing them back. Nehemiah and Ezra and Esther tell us of this. How God took them back. And Jerusalem was in destruction. The walls were down. The gates were open. It was pitiful. And we believe that's what the psalmist is referring to. God, we remember what you did in the past. We remember how you forgave our sins. You covered them. How does God cover sin? Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the reason Israel, the Jews, would bring their sacrifices. They would bring their goats. They would bring their rams. They would bring the lambs. They would bring the oxen and give blood. 
as a sacrifice to point to the one who was to come. The Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. There's no other way to have forgiveness apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. And so these were looking forward. Lord, you you covered their sins by the blood of the one who was to come. We look back to the one who did come. Remember that family. Old Testament people, if they were saved, were saved by the same way we can be saved. Only through Jesus Christ. They looked forward to his coming. We look back. He did come. So, Lord, that's what you did. So, remember, when you're discouraged, when you're talking with others who are discouraged, depressed, point them first to Scripture of what God has done for His people. And then secondly, in their own life, remember, remember when God was so favorable to you, how good He was. But secondly, repentance. What do we do when discouraged, depressed? First, remember God's goodness. Second, repentance by us who are in the family, in the present. Sin may not be the reason we're going through discouragement or depression. It may not be. It may be just taking us through that. But let's make sure there is no sin of which we're not confessing. That's what he is saying here. Look at verses 4 and 5. 85, 4 and 5. Lord, restore us again. Restore. Revive. Renew. Do again in our hearts as is needed. Restore us again. You're the God of our salvation. Put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? See what he's saying? He's repenting. He's not covering over his sin. Lord, we deserve your anger. We deserve it. Your hot, hot anger. Your fierce anger. We deserve it. Look what we did. How we disobeyed you. We rebelled. We went our own way. Avoid blame shifting. Avoid it. Why are we discouraged? Why are we depressed? Despondent? It's so easy to blame someone else for our situation. Well... I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, and I'm disappointed because the way he acted or she acted. Others do not make us sin. Others do not make us sin. When I sin against my wife or anyone else, I cannot say in my heart, If only you would change. If only you hadn't said what you said or did what you did, I wouldn't have have been angry. No. Don't shift the blame on others. Others may have been used 
but we're responsible for our own sin. And that's what he is saying. Your fierce anger we deserve. Your hot anger, your indignation, the destruction, we deserve it. Though others may be a part of it, ultimately we cannot blame them. Though they may have sinned against us. What is this repentance? What's a good summary of real repentance? Look what is repentance. I like what the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. What is it? Pray for this. Repentance is a, unto life is a saving grace. For me, for you, for others to repent, we need grace. We don't do it on our own. We need Christ to come and bring us that attitude. Whereby, what? We see ourselves as sinners. And we begin to have a true sense of our sin. A true sense of the words we say. And the thoughts in our mind and our behavior beginning to have a true sense of our sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. Oh, we begin appropriating and appreciating His mercy. Folks, that's good news. When we begin to appreciate and appropriate His mercy through Christ, what is mercy? Not being treated as we deserve. We deserve God's wrath. That's what we deserve, His punishment. We deserve His judgment against sin. We deserve hell. That's what we deserve. But in Christ, He offers His Son who never sinned to become sin, to become sin, that we, as we repent of our sin and believe on Christ, can become as He is. That's mercy. That's mercy. And now we begin to appreciate that and hopefully grow, grow in repentance every day. Look, with a holy grief, look at that, grief, hatred of our sin, we begin to turn from it and keep turning from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Ask God for an attitude of holy grief. Ask God to make us a hating people. Yeah. Ask God to make us a hating people. Hating what? Our sin. God, to hate our sin, our anger, our rage, our lust, our adulterous behavior, fantasies, our greed, our envy, our jealousy. Folk, I am the worst of sinners. Pray that I'll hate it. Hate it. 
and grieve over it. The scriptures talk about godly sorrow, not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow says, "Uh uh-oh, I've been caught. I'm embarrassed. I wish I hadn't done that. I'm embarrassed. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow. God, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you and others. Make us hate, Lord. Teach us how to hate. Sin and love righteousness. Love holiness. Love purity. That's a picture, a portrait of revival. What is evidence of the Holy Spirit initiating, sustaining revival, remembering God's goodness in the past? Go there, go there, go there. Look at God's goodness in the past from the scriptures, then in your own life. Was there a time when he was just so good to you? Go back there. Secondly, repent of any sin he brings to your heart. Thirdly, then rejoice. Rejoice in God's mercy. Rejoice in his grace. Rejoice in the promises for the future. Back to Psalm 85, verses 6 and 9. Why? Why are we to pray for revival? Why was it such a burden on Dr. Sproul's heart? Why are many throughout the world praying for revival? Why? Look. Verse 6. Will you not revive us again? Why? That your people may, what? Rejoice in you. Show us your steadfast love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Why? So that you're our joy. We need revival. I need it. We need it. Our nation needs it. A Holy Spirit initiated and sustained revival. But know the reason. That he is our joy. That he is our joy. See, when I pray for revival, so often I pray for revival selfishly. (laughs) Because I want life better. The psalmist understood the real reason for revival. Father, then again, you are our joy. You mean more to us when we're revived than anything or anyone else. You're our joy. Come what may. Take what you will. Give as is needed as long as you have. You're our joy. That's what he's asking. You're our joy. You're our joy. Paul understood revival when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You're everything. 
everything. I'll lose anything and everything as long as you are our joy. Grant us your salvation. Grant us the work of Christ. What does it look like? What does it look like? Is there a portrait? I like portraits. I'm amazed at some of the portraits. More than just a picture of something, but a portrait, landscape, creation. Look, what's it like? What's a portrait of of a revival? Quickly, Nehemiah 8, 5 and 6. This is, this is during the time when God's calling his people back. Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther lived all during this time, we believe, of which the psalmist is writing. Nehemiah 8, 5, and 6. Here it is. Here it is. What's it like? When God's reviving his people, first of all, he's making us crave God's word. Crave it. Hungry. Thirsty, desperate, give me the word of God. Let me hear from him in the scriptures. Look, we see a portrait of real revival and a craving for God's word. Here, Ezra, Ezra's the preacher, Ezra's the priest. He comes before the people. He's up on a platform. He's up above. The context says the women The men and all who could understand are there gathered. Men, women, all who could understand. Ezra opens the book in the sight of the people. He's above them. He opened it and the people, you see, they did what? They, they stood. They stood. They're about to hear from God. And that's a reason we stand for the reading of God's Word. To hopefully show outwardly, hopefully what is happening inwardly. We're about to hear from God. God has spoken. And we stand in reverence and respect. God is speaking. So he stands, he blesses the people, the people answer, amen, amen, from them, they lifted up their hands, that's good, it's not mandatory. They bowed with their heads, they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They're craving, give us the word of God. Acts. In Acts, we see a portrait of what revival appears. Look, Acts 13, 42, 44. And the people went out. Paul and Barnabas had ministered to the people. Service is over. It's time to go home. Look at what the people are doing. They're begging, begging that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. Tell us more. We're hungry. 
Folk, I want that true in me. I want it in me. In all. We want to know more. So after the meeting, 43, people are dismissed. They start to leave. But what happens? Many, not just a few, many of these began following Paul and Barnabas. We're not finished, preacher, teacher. We're not finished. We're not finished. We're still hungry. Folk, I want that in me, in all of us. So they kept telling them more truth right there, urging them, now continue in the grace of God. You're in his grace. You're, you're, you're experiencing a revival. Now continue. Don't drift. Don't wander off. So what happens? Remember, they're asking, will you come back next week? Will you come back next week? Will you come back and tell us more? So craving God's word, verse 44, verse 44, verse 44, the next week. Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. God has initiated and sustaining a Holy Spirit revival. Can you imagine almost all the city gathering for what? To hear the word of God. What has God said? What has he told you to tell us that is consistent with the whole Bible? Wow. Will you pray like that? In my life, in us, our nation and world, the power of God's word. And so later on, we see here in this ninth chapter, eighth and ninth chapter of Nehemiah, the people would gather early in the morning. And for a fourth of the morning, they heard the word of God. They heard, they heard, they listened, they were craving, they were hungry. And then for the next fourth of the day, They confess their sins. Confession, 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 confession. My sin against God. My sin against my wife. My sin against my husband. My sin against my children. My sin against my neighbor. Confessing sin. Because the Bible says when we cover over our sin, we will not prosper spiritually. But when we confess it and renounce it, there is mercy. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. We need a spiritual healing. Is there someone or ones in your life with whom not only to God, but to one another, your sins, your struggles of unbelief, of doubt. I'm so thankful I have men in my life to whom I can be transparent. 
the joys, the joys of honesty, of confessing our sins to one another, to experience that spiritual healing. The joys, the joys, the freedom. Yes, it's humbling. Yes, it's humiliating. But the joy, the joy. After they've gathered, they've been craving God's word, they're confessing their sin, and then we have a wonderful, wonderful word. Just quickly, let me tell you what is happening. After the confession, after the confession of their disobedience, thirdly, in this portrait of revival, they're celebrating God's goodness. When a true revival is happening, we're hearing God's word, we see our disobedience, we begin repenting of it, beginning to hate it, turn from it, believing only on Christ. We're hungry. Confessing our sins, it's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate. The one who did not sin became sin so that we who are his become the righteousness of God. And that's what's happening here in Nehemiah. The priests say, whoa, whoa, this is good. This is good. You've been craving God's word. You've been confessing your sin. Now it's time to celebrate. Go home. Celebrate. Celebrate. And they did. Such joy-filled celebration of the goodness of God. That's part of revival. It's part of revival. This day is holy. It's time to stop mourning and weeping. They're weeping when they're hearing the word of God. Look at verses 9 through 12. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, sin portion, share what you have to those who have nothing. The Lord is your strength. And they calmed the people and they celebrated in the one to come. The one whose blood would be given. Who would make them righteous and holy. The three go together. Remembering God's goodness of the past. Repenting of sin. Rejoicing in him. Confessing our sin. Are others a part of your life? Are you a part of others' lives? Men with men, ladies with ladies, and as is appropriate, a part of a study, small group by which you're investing your life and they're investing in you. Oh, hallelujah. Celebrate. 
follows confession. Celebration follows confession. Honesty and transparency. And that follows a craving, craving, craving for God's word. May God do that in us, in me, in all of us. That you are encouraged and comforted and strengthened when the hard times come. And God will use you, God will use us to bring encouragement, encouragement to others as they go through the hard, hard, painful, excruciating difficulties that Christ has been sufficient. Father, thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ministry of his bride, the church, one another, one another, one another. So, Father, make us all craving for your word, confessing our sins to you and to one another that we may experience the spiritual healing that we need that will lead to celebration, celebration. And use us. Use your own to take these words to others around us in the nation. In the name, Father, of Christ, his authority, amen.